Welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptal. C70 is about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, is Alan Medlock, Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one on Twitter. Coming to you Friday morning after the Cardinals have finished sweeping the Cubs. Um, and we'll get into all of that as well and, and what the, how the team seems to have turned around a bit over the last few days. Um, but first, of course, this week was the trading deadline, and we've got to get into what did happen, what didn't happen, and, and how things sorted out. Alan, let's just clear this whole Soto thing out of the way. I know we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. And it doesn't sound like the Cardinals were nearly as close as the national media wanted to portray them to be. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. I agree with that. Um, it sounds, you know... I don't know. I was so torn with it because it was a situation that I thought I just cannot see them clearing out some of the minor league names that we had heard to go and make a move like that. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, I was thinking if there was one guy you could do it with where you had three pennant chases, it would be a Soto because this doesn't happen that much that often with somebody his age. Um, Everybody's heard my opinion on that that listens to the show. I've, I've said it for two weeks. It's I was glad that that it finally was resolved. I'm honestly glad that it wasn't L.A. Just because I thought that would have been a bad look for baseball if, if L.A. Or, or New York got another one of these guys and they find a way to afford these things that, that we are told, you know, just it shouldn't be able to happen. Now, it's also one of those situations to where on the, the Padres side, they went all in. Because if this doesn't work out, they don't have anything to fall back on anymore. And they have contract obligations in the offseason. So all the things said, I guess, makes me feel a little bit more at peace with the fact that it didn't happen. But I wasn't ultimately that upset in the beginning because I would just I kind of thought it was just too far-fetched. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely one of those things that tugged at you because you want to see, I think most of us right now want to see what Jordan Walker's going to do. I want to see what Mason Wynn's going to do. Um, but, you know, logically, it, you also understand that they're not going to be what Juan Soto is going to be. And so you can understand the pull there, yes. um, but not not giving up that, yeah. I mean, one, it's definitely not <laughs> the cardinal way, if you want to say, um, to give up that much. And, and you know, again, we, we had talked about it. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we were in St. Louis, and John Mosley makes a point of saying this is a pipeline organization. They've got to have the talent continuing to flow up because you just never know what's going to happen, as I think we've proven this week um, with some of that talent. And what's going to, you know, what's going to pan out, what's not going to pan out, what's going to get hurt. You know, I mean, if Soto ever went down injured, I mean, that would that would be a huge thing for the Cardinals and maybe not have the kind of, you know, depth to cover that. Um, so it's not surprising 
Um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, they, even as, you know, kind of national media try to portray them like in at the very end and Mo comes out, you know, Monday night, Monday or Tuesday after the deadline, but says, you know, before they made the Quintana deal on Monday night, they knew they weren't going to, going to do that. Um, and so they went ahead and moved on. There's also, um, you know, so the, the Cardinals, you know, we know about Edmundo. So I think we talked about that last week. Um, then they make the, um, actually, I guess we didn't, I guess the Sosa Terry Jay came after. So let's talk about that real quick. Cause we were talked about DeYoung probably going to get promoted. We didn't know exactly how it was all going to shake out. Um, Sosa for a minor league reliever. I mean, I don't know that there's much to say. It seemed like a, a reasonable deal. If you think that Paul DeYoung is going to be able to hit and, we'll talk about Paul DeYoung in this later on, but overall, I, yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about it. what do you think? No, and it's, it's, it seemed like even after we, we were off the show last week, it seemed like there was a lot of things circulating that that was going to be, that was probably going to be the move anyway, just because that, that name had been leaked and how some of the American mm-hmm. league teams had been asking and whatnot. And that was the easy way to clear. Air. Just like we talk about this path of least resistance. A lot of times is the way that they're going to go. And ultimately, that, that's 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 kind of a wash for me. I mean, I we had a feeling that that DeYoung was going to be back. We didn't know in what capacity, and at one point, it just didn't make any sense because everybody was playing well. Um, now you can kind of see where it would fit in a little bit, and they're they're truly giving him a run right now. Um, and knowing that at this, I mean, here's my thing: in two weeks, are we going to be back to Edmund and Gorman up the middle? You know, mm-hmm. possibly. I think Donovan is is a safety net on that as well. Um, so you have the pieces to make things happen. I think that one more was redundant and I, I'm not certain that we didn't see the best of Sosa at the end of last year. And that, and so I, I'm actually okay with that move, especially if you can take the chance on somebody who was, you know, Romero was, was, it was highly coveted at one point, fell out of favor in Philadelphia. And, you know, you get some of those guys off those East coast teams and sometimes they can succeed. So, you know, maybe they found a, a, a diamond in the rough there. Uh, who knows? I mean, he's a left-handed reliever, um, so the Cardinals will probably have some sort of use for him at some point in time. Although, you know, at one time a few years ago, it felt like the Cardinals didn't have any lefties, and now they're they're really getting <laughs> getting piling up on lefties, both in the starting rotation after this week and in either the bullpen or in the minors. Um, do you think we see Romero this year? I, I'm. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't rule it out, but it feels like. That was almost more of a piece for maybe next year or the year after. Sure. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Especially when you see a situation where you see Montgomery up in a in that piece of the bullpen who's been pretty good and Thompson go back down. And I'm sure that's and I'm 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 positive that's to go down and throw more, you know, to be yeah. effective. So you would think he's gonna be the first lefty up regardless. Um and in a starting role, maybe, maybe liberatory. Yeah. I mean, you don't know, but uh, bottom line to answer your question, I think he's a little too far down the pecking order at this point, but I, I could see that being in play by next year. Um, you know, that's, that opens up a, a whole, uh, a whole other question of the Palante to the, uh, to the bullpen type situation. And honestly, that's, that may be where he fits better. I don't know. He surprised me as a starter this year more than most. But, uh, you know, it just seems like they have a lot of things in play. And, and, and I think that you're right. I think that trade was made more of a stockpile than, than a definite need. 
Yeah, I definitely, I do want to, I just want to kind of remind me, I do want to get into like starting rotation going forward after this year, but we'll get to that after we finish talking about these trades because this was the second trade then Monday night. Um, Quintana, Jose Quintana from the Pirates for Yoan Aviado and Malcolm Nunez. Um, this, I mean, this kind of, I think everybody kind of felt like Quintana was like, the ideal Cardinal, right? I mean, that he was going to, I mean, if any, if they were ever going to get a guy, it felt like Quintana was going to be that guy. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Even, even within the division, it kind of surprised me. Uh, the, uh, not, not necessarily surprised me, but you know, when we were talking about the low hanging fruit, him being in Pittsburgh was the only reason I didn't bring that up last week. If that tells you anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I just thought, ah, no, they're not going to do that. And, you know, to send, I thought you had a good post that Oviedo was kind of finding it, so it kind of it kind of stinks to see him go. But but I, you know, it was one of those. I was very high on Oviedo two years ago, but it doesn't seem like he had found his niche. I was thinking that maybe he could be a Reyes type guy, but I don't know if he's going to reach that level of of healthy uh, when healthy. You know what I mean? But but yeah, that's uh, to draw a line between those two was difficult within the division, but it made the most sense because they've seen him so many times too in Quintana. Yeah, I mean. Quintana was really, like we said, I, I put it in the post, but over his last, oh, let me see, over his last six outings, he had a 225 ERA. And it felt like, you know, 10 strikeouts and eight innings. And it felt like the relief role was really kind of coming to him, um, which, I mean, may not be what, you know, what he was excited about. But I think, I mean, we saw what he did to try to play in Toronto, even though he didn't even get into those games. Um, you know, the guy wanted to play and he wanted to play in the major leagues. And he wanted to try to do whatever he could to help the team. Um, and it felt like he was getting there and I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, I don't know enough about Pittsburgh and I don't know, you know, except for the fact that, you know, uh, they swept the Brewers. That's a good thing, but um, you know, they're not necessarily in it for this year. I was a little bit surprised to see that they automatically optioned him down to AAA. Now it sounds like they've sent him down to work on some things and to, to lengthen him out. And he's going to be a starter for him eventually. But, you know, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't try to just let him work in the major league since he's had some experience and some success there. Um, again, they, that just may not be the way I don't, I don't really, I don't even know their, you know, rotation stuff. We just kind of assume, Oh, it's Pittsburgh. There's nothing good out there. But um, I was a little bit surprised at that as of, as for Nunez, I think we all knew, I mean, he was, he was like the, what, the 10th prospect, but he never was, and Kyle was big on him, I know, um, but it never felt like he was going to make it to the Cardinals just because there were so many other guys in front of him at the positions that he was at that it just, you know, I just, I never, he was never one, I knew the name, but he was never one that I really thought much about because I don't think I ever thought I'd see him. Yeah, 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 that's, uh, hey. You never know. Like I said, on the Pittsburgh side of it, they may have seen something or seen enough of him to think, okay, let's go down and let's try to figure out how we're going to extend right. him as a potential rotation piece. That could be that could be part of it too. You know, the stuff's there, the the body's there. Um, I always like that. I felt I kind of thought, yeah, this is this could work out. You know, the the hard mm-hmm. throwing righty, but you know, that's the thing that's also it just indicative of baseball right now is everybody has those guys. Where they yeah. were so few and far between, and now it's just a dime a dozen, and and that really surprises me to have someone six five, six six like that, and it's you know it's pretty crazy to think that 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 would be the situation, especially a team that you think that would be somebody that could that could you know take some take some bumps and let somebody grow on the job like that. So yeah, yeah. it it didn't make sense, but it's obviously one of those things they saw that we didn't, you know. Yeah, but it just I mean it 
it really sucks for Oviedo just because, you know, he was on a team that was contending and then he goes not only to a team that's not, but to their minor league system. So I know yeah. he's probably, um, you know, but I mean, I'm sure he's doing his best to, you know, and by the time he's, if he ever becomes a factor for Pittsburgh, they, you know, they're starting to put something together over there, I think. And so, yeah, um, you know, they could at least be a winning team at some point in time, maybe while, while he's there. Um, but yeah, it's, I didn't it, wonder how much him being thrown into the fire in 2020, you know, changed his trajectory. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about that with Jordan Hicks too, right? That, you know, how he skipped whole minors and, and we can argue whether that was a good thing or not. Oviedo, it may have been, it may not have been in it. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully he has some success over in Pittsburgh. Um, and then the final deal, which came out, of, I, I think a lot of people were getting a little bit frustrated. Of course, the whole Soto thing was overshadowing a little bit of that, but even so you're coming into what the last two hours, probably of the deadline, maybe the last hour. I don't remember exactly when this deal was doing down and all they had done was the Quintana trade basically. And that was nice and good, but that wasn't really enough. And then all of a sudden you get this, you know, notification that Cardinals are trading for Jordan Montgomery, um, who is a name that I didn't necessarily even know, but okay, cool. Getting a Yankees pitcher. And then to find out that Harrison Bader is the other end of that. Um, it was probably the, the biggest bombshell, I guess, of the whole thing. Um, when you saw it, what were you thinking? It, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's really surprised me. Um, when I saw the move made, I was like, oh, okay, lefty. Yeah, let's see. Let's start looking at some numbers. Then when I heard the return, I was actually pretty loud. I was like, what? <laughs> thinking my, my issue was I thought that they were going to be short in the outfield. That's another right. reason on the Soto deal that I was thinking, well, at least you're getting an outfielder back on that. I said, but if they happen to move several, I, uh, um, that, that could be a problem, you know, type situation. But, uh, yeah, when I, I was like, man, you, you moved the guy that I felt and we were bragging about it last week, the energy that's brought about by Molina and, and, uh, and Bader. That uh, you're like, okay, those guys being back in the lineup, it's going to energize the club. They're going to get going. And to see that one of those guys that we were talked about, you know, get moved right away. I mean, it's one of those that makes sense. You know, both of them are due for uh, do uh, their arbitration figures. They'll be free in 23 in 2002 after the 23 season. So you get one more year of both. The Yankees need help in the outfield. and The Cardinals definitely need help in the rotation. So it makes sense. I just wonder if there's some underlying factors. I it's it's one of those things where the first thing that popped into my mind, and not to be a conspiracy theorist or not to just think negative on these things, the lack of hustle issues and the not necessarily being ready in the lineup really stands out to me at this point because I wonder if there wasn't some shattered relationships on that. I think it's a fair thing to ask. Um, I don't, you know, again, we're not, we're not going to know. Um, you and I were talking before the show, you mentioned that the Yankees, and I hadn't seen this report, the Yankees had called asking about Bader. And I think that may have been when the Cardinals, because I've always said they didn't necessarily expect a guy like Montgomery to be available and um, for them to ask for him and, and get him. So might might have been, they weren't shopping Bader, but they were definitely willing to move him. And I think, yeah, I mean, this, this team has talked about for, it feels like two or three years now, this idea of this homegrown outfield of O'Neill and Bader and Dylan Carlson and to just give up on it kind of suddenly 
and, and I know that we've got people like Alec Burleson coming up, you know, immediately they move Jordan Walker to the outfield, um, which may, that may be his route to the majors. I mean, there are outfielders and, and Dylan Carlson has played a good center field. There's no doubt about that either. And that helps. Um, but I got to feel like, you know, to kind of trade him out of the blue meant his stock had fallen with the club for whatever reason, whether again, like you said, it just, a personality thing or if he wasn't doing the rehab the way they thought he should be doing the rehab because it seems like right we've heard that a couple times not that he hasn't done the rehab but the fact that oh he's almost ready and then it's like oh no it's going to be a couple more weeks or this or that or whatever and i don't know if he's just and it may not be it may it may just be the way plantar fasciitis is i, I believe that's probably true but somewhere in this the relationship is different enough that they didn't say we need pitching, but we can't afford to get rid of, of Harrison Bader. We have to keep him. And it also feels like with the, the loss of Bader and with the addition of Nolan Gorman, that the club has gotten away from this, you know, platonic ideal of defense, right? Defense first. And is willing to take a step back on that if the offense is there, right? Um, and that is a little bit interesting as well. I've put Alan to sleep. No, no, no. My bad, my bad. My, uh, I to speak, but one of the two. Yeah, that's what it was. Sorry. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. It's uh, it's one of those that that, that ra- I, it raised the same questions to me because in the back of my mind the whole time, even seeing him, seeing Carlson play center field in Springfield, it was one of those where early in the year I made the comment, he can play center field, but he's not necessarily a center fielder. By the end of the year, I kind of changed my tune on that. I was like, boy, he's pretty athletic. I think that he'll be able to handle this a little bit. But it seemed like he was uh, he was, uh, he was was marked to play right field. They were pretty content with that. He has the big arm, the athleticism. I, I thought that was that was the way to go. Um, to see him move and to kind of blow up that outfield of the future that we thought we would see, just get, you know, another thing, not to branch off, just goes to show that those things hardly ever come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But to see him play center field and say, hey, we know that, that you can handle this in the short term and maybe even the long term to see how this happens. And uh, we're going to play a, uh, a hot bat in Newt Bar and, let, and let's see what we can get out of this and turn that into a left-handed pitcher. I, I was surprised by the move, um, especially with the uh, the energy and defense that Bader would bring to you. But I think they're pretty content, like you said, to roll with what they've got and think that they can get more production without losing the defense that they had, which you know shows I like to see that they have faith in the uh, organization and and have faith in Carlson in particular. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that draws a line to possibly seeing a, seeing a uh, scenario where we see Burleson pretty quickly. And that's something I felt like we needed. I mean, he's one of those guys that he's he's crushed at every level. And, mm-hmm. you know, the DH adds to that now. So they're just, you know, I know you have Dickerson and you kind of have a, a log jam right now, but but you can see that happening fairly quickly. And and that that to me is exciting. Yeah, I mean, Mo's even kind of, he didn't say Burleson by name, but he kind of hinted at that you probably see some people from Memphis still to help this team. And it's got, I mean, Burleson has done, it's kind of like Dylan Carlson too, right? I mean, or we've seen, you know, guys that have just done as much as they can do at the minor league level. And it feels like that's what Burleson has done. I mean, he has hit all year long at AAA that it's time to give him a shot at the big leagues. But, you know, when that will come, we don't know because, yeah, you've got, you know, O'Neill seems to be, you know, 
he's at least healthy now, and he had a big big home run last night, um, which is a, which is helpful. Um, you've got Carlson, you've got Newt Bar and Dickerson playing the other spot. You know, you know, does that you know, you know if somebody starts to tail off, somebody gets hurt, I guess then we see Burleson, but it it's, doesn't seem like there's an obvious time for that right now, but. At some point in time, yeah, I think he's got a and you know September you get the two call ups. Burleson might be one of them then. Um, although I don't, you know, you know, they might go both pitchers then. I don't know if they can. Um, it's just uh, it is interesting to to see them move on now. Montgomery seems to be again. This is a guy, and you know, I'm so focused on the Cardinals that I tend to miss a lot of other things. The guys on the talking about birds podcast sometimes go through baseball cards and just say who this player is. And I'm like, some of these names, I have no idea. Um, but Montgomery was not a name I'd heard before. And I, you yeah. know, but it seems to me that he's definitely going to be a quality addition to, to the club. And it seems like, you know, there's some people out wondering why the Yankees traded him, even though they have, you know, quite a bit of pitching. They were a little bit surprised that he got moved. Yeah, that that kind of surprised me too. Now you know it's 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 a, kind of one of those situations where I try to follow the league as much, as best as I can. But like on the Sunday night games and the games of the week, I don't watch a lot of the Yankee games because they're so slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's tough. And I would get on to my kids for saying that, you know, <laughs> watching a big league game and it was say boring, you know, one of those type situations. Right. But but I don't watch a lot of those. But I I had just scratched the surface on Montgomery a little bit, and I'd kind of assumed that he was probably one of those guys that would pitch a lot better out of Yankee Stadium. But like we. We had a look before. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I do think that he'll pitch pitch well with the uh, with the infield defense that the Cardinals are going to bring. Um, yeah, that was a move where it it sounds just like uh, you know it was it was a need, and I think the Yankees were mad, especially that uh, some of the Yankee fans were mad that that was, that that move was made because they're short a pitcher. <laughs> And, uh, you know, at the same day they made the trade, I think they put Severino on the 60-day DL type situation, you know, one of those. And I may be wrong on that, but I know that he was extended and he'll be out a little bit, right? Yeah, I think so. I was just reading uh, Ken Rosenthal has an article up here on the uh, on the Athletic and talking about that, that deal to some degree. Um, yeah, Severino is on the 60-day. Um, but he's already throwing. So I don't think it changed. It's kind of like what we did. They did with Flaherty. You know, oh, gotcha. Moved into the 60 because I knew he wasn't coming back till then, but yeah, I got you. I got you. Severino to be back this year. Gotcha. That's uh so yeah, that's uh, I know that there's a, I just reading some of the, uh, you know, the tweets from the area and, you know, everybody was upset thinking that they were an arm short. So that makes you feel a little bit, a little bit better about it. His, his exit interview there from the Yankees said a lot. You could tell that he was liked. And, and the interview they did with him yesterday being in St. Louis, I kind of won me over. So you know, we'll see how it works. I mean, it's all about performance. Um, I'm glad that they got that they that they pulled one, more than one arm out of this deadline to see if they would help them. And, and uh, you know, their track record last year looked pretty good. Now, whether that was the rolling the dice and coming up lucky, I don't know. But we'll see how it is. And, you know, Quintana had a great start last night. So I, it's – you can tell that the additions have added a little bit of energy to the team, and that's been fun to watch. Yeah, it, feel, it definitely does. I think they had to get two arms, right? I mean, if they had stopped at Quintana, I I just don't think that would have been enough. I mean, maybe, but, you know, with Matt's going out for the rest of the year, it seems like. Um, I mean, yeah, you have – well, actually, is he? I, I, there was some talk about him going out, but then I think maybe I heard someplace that he might be able to 
I'll have to I'll look that up and see. I can't remember. I I've, it seems like I've gone back and forth on whether he was actually going to be uh, out for the rest of the year or not. But you know, you've got Flaherty coming back. Um, you know, you're right. Pelante had looked good, um, but it still felt like. I mean, you're relying on a lot of, of young arms and you're looking at, you know, people that might hit innings limits and stuff like that. I just felt like they needed to get a couple of established arms. Agreed. Uh, yeah. no, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 I just, I think if they had not been, if they had not made that deal and just got Quintana, it would have been a okay deadline. It'd been a slightly, slightly disappointing. And like you said, the shadow of Juan Soto hangs over this, and everybody, everything looks different when you think you could get him versus if he had never been in the picture. Um, but you know, especially when you go into this last couple, this last week, thinking you might get a you know generational talent, and all you get is uh, you know Jose Quintana, then yeah, then there'd be a lot of disappointment. But I think, um, yeah, that, I think they had to get two, and I think that's going to be huge for them down the stretch. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I I'm ultimately pretty happy with the uh, with the deadline, and it's and it's one of those to where it's really funny. I brought up a uh, a search in my email history. Now, this was not intended by any way yesterday, and I noticed that the uh, that the UCB email log was uh, was open from 2017, and I wish I would have pulled the email up, but it was it was me begging to get Quintana. <laughs> at the deadline. And I remember that because I thought, you know, that's when the White Sox weren't very good. He was having a re- he had a really good year in 16. And I was like, this, w- this would be great to see that it happened. And I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I, if I may not be, I may be wrong on this, but I felt like he was DFA at some point within the last five years. You know, one of those to where you kind of thought that he was a, he was an afterthought, but to see them rally around and getting that, especially somebody that that pitched in the, pitched in the Dominican Winter League this last year and having and had a really good year this year, I was glad they pulled the trigger, and I'm glad they broke the mold of doing it in the division. Um, yeah, I may be wrong on that. I it's just I just basically what I'm saying is he's been a forgotten guy, really. Yeah, he and he's he he redid himself. I mean, he I mean, you're not a a high commodity if you're signing a one-year deal with the pirates, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Um, but you know, people know what the talent has been and while they're not expecting that, I mean, it's obviously, you know, and it, and from what I've read, he's made some adjustments in his pitch mix and, and some other things. And he's been, you know, I don't think it's completely, um, completely out of the realm of possibility, for him to have a great year, you know, great rest of it. Um, and he could continue, he could have remade himself and, and have a, you know, a good few more years. Um, I, I don't think he's just, have, I don't think it's just a fluke, I guess is what I'm trying to say that he's just been, especially when you get into August and you're good, it's not he, a fluke. He's 32, correct? Uh, let me check. It's like, he should be older than that, but he, no, is, well, he's 33. He's 33. 30 okay. half, basically. Well, you know what? Speaking of, you thought he was older. I was blown away last night before his start to find out Syndergaard was 29. Oh, yeah, that is surprising. You know, because – and it makes sense. But, man, it seems like we've heard that name for 15 years. Well, and, I mean, so many of these guys come up so young now. Yeah. You know, um, you know if they're coming up at 19 or 20 or 21 or something like that, you know, they can be around for eight years and still not well, up there. That's, in that's- theory, too. I mean, he, we probably heard rumblings about him when he's 19. 
you yeah. know, so it could have been 10, you know, 19 years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could remember when he was traded, um, he was, when he was traded to the Mets as a uh, minor league, you're right. Um, from the right, from the Jays, um, part of that, uh, it was Travis Denard and who else, what was that big trade? It was who went from the, I forgot who went to the blue Jays from the Mets in that trade, but you know, I kind of remember when he got traded early on in this career. So yeah, it's, it, and that just feels like forever ago, but yeah. Um, anyway, um, so the Cardinals, like I say, they remake their team. Um, there are a lot of arms now on the roster, which is, which is good. Um, what do you think before we get into what they're doing now? Um, what do you think the rotation looks like for next year? Um, Montgomery's under contract. Quintana's a free agent. I, you know, I don't know that there's a reason to bring him back, but I'm not saying that they can't. Um, you know, where, what do you think? I mean, cause it's, some, it feels like again, of course, this is what it felt like before you may have like six or seven starter arms for five spots. Yeah, that's and then my I would we'll see how it goes. I can't imagine Quintana was one that they hey that they thought of extending immediately. And I I know that sounds stupid, and we know that that doesn't feel like that. But doesn't Libertor fit in somewhere at this point? I mean, isn't that the isn't he the one that kind of got pushed out in these deals yeah. Uh, yeah. ultimately? You know, for uh, because he. We've seen him this year. He's going to be a big part of the rotation at some point, and I would think that he would have to take one of the one of those spots. Um, I guess the weight of Wainwright means yeah. it, it means everything. And then we have one more year, Michaelis, after this. Um, at least one. Yeah, that may be maybe just one. Okay, me, I may be wrong on that. Let me pull up the contracts. Um, but I know they. Yeah, because he signed that four-year extension, and that was before. Tour. Yeah, I think you're probably right that it's just one more year after this. Yeah, the uh, so you you could pencil in Michaelis. Yeah, it's twenty three. It's the end of the contract. Okay, I thought it was. You could pencil in Michaelis, and then of course, man, I don't know. Then then everything's up in the air. I mean, we'll see how Montgomery pitches. I think that would be that that would be the next step. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, to me, the weight. The shadow of Wainwright's huge right now because mm-hmm. I feel like he probably pitches next year. Um, and I I don't know why I feel like that's a foregone conclusion, yeah. but I do. But I do think he throws next year. Um, then you can go with those two, and it's probably going to look a lot, pretty similar than it was this year. But I, I just feel like Libertor gets a shot. Um, I know that I haven't brought up Flaherty because I'm just so skeptical of this. You mm-hmm. know, of the, of the, I mean, we've had two stoppages in the past two years, and I understand not all these things point to surgery, but a lot of times they do. And, and I, I mean, just like I was reading from uh, John Denton last night that they think that they can get him back late August and September. Now, in what role that is, I don't know. I just think that they want the body, um, in the name on that staff somewhere, but you know, to answer your question, I'm just skeptical that he'll be in the rotation next year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's, it's, I think it's starting to be fair to see what we're going to get from Flaherty. Obviously the, the, all the talent is there and if he can stay healthy, you know, you would expect good results, um, even though they've been a little bit shaky this year, but it's been off and on and injuries and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, you're kind of, it's kind of be interesting to see because, because a lot of people expect once free agency to comes along, Flaherty's out the door, which maybe that's true. Maybe that's not, but I 
think if I'm right, he's free agent at the end of 23, right? So you're talking about next year being the, the only the, the, the year for him. Um, and if, if he does leave his legacy in St. Louis could be really weird just because he's been so hurt and, and, it, yeah. and, and the, you know, pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I think you put Flaherty and Flaherty's in there. But part of me, I agree with, I just don't know about Wainwright, honestly, because part of me really feels like Wainwright would be a kind of a guy who has it in his mind already that he's retiring, but he's not going to tell anybody because he's not going to make a big deal out of it. That at the end of the year, he's going to say, you know, that this is it. Or maybe the last week of the season, he's going to say, this is it. Um, now I may be completely wrong because he's obviously pitching well enough that he can pitch again next year and he seems to enjoy it. Um, but he's also talked about having other things he wants to do. Sure. Sure. Uh, and you know, part of, part of his reason for pitching for next year would be just to earn more money to do more things of, you know, have more money to give away uh, that kind of thing. Um, so that plays a part, but, um, you know, Matt's is back next year. Michaelis, Michaelis, Montgomery, Matt's. We're going to have the M's again. Um, you know, if Wainwright's there and Flaherty's there, you know, then, uh, yeah, where do you put a Libertor? Um, how does a Polante, you know, I guess you still put him in the, in the, um, you know, and that's not even talking about Dakota Hudson. I guess Polante. Yeah, yeah the, crap. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are a lot of arms. And does that mean that there's a, a trade out there this off season? It may be, I mean, it's pitchers arms. So you, somebody's going to get hurt somewhere along the way. Um, you know, they thought they had a lot of pitching this year and obviously they didn't. So, uh, you know, it's better to have more than enough. You know, I, I do think that probably means they don't resign Quintana, but again, you just never know. Um, so I think it's interesting that to bring in arms, especially an arm like Montgomery, that's got, another year of control to, you know, to a situation that there are, you know, depending on what they wanted, if they're stretching out Zach Thompson, you know, he's in this mix too. Right. Um, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And then I was trying uh, to, from the cuff, think of minor league arms and I could only think Libertor. Yeah. There's not, I mean, there's not, and that is one thing. There's not just a lot of, does it feel like there's a lot of, pitchers just knocking on the door, right? Tinkins is way down there. I mean, he's probably the most intriguing um, arm that's not Libertor or Thompson. And he's just at, what, single A? So, I mean, he's got a long way to go before he can make it up. So, uh, I don't know. I I mean, it's a good problem to have, as we sometimes say, um, to have all these arms. It's just going to be, that's going to be fun to see how that all shakes out this offseason. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it'd be intriguing. I mean, we we feel like the uh, the uh, rotation and staff is a position of wealth, and and we've seen the last two years that you can't have enough. So they it, it'll be interesting to see how it works. Now, you know, back to Wainwright too. The in the back of my mind, I do wonder if he. I I feel like he's pitched well enough, and some of the signs point to him coming back. But I could see him being a guy like you said, not want the pomp and circumstance. Definitely not want to take it from anybody that's going to get it. That's in the clubhouse right now, and wanting to finish on top. You know that I feel like that I, that may be the driving factor as well. Plus, if he comes back next year and says it's his last year, I mean, he takes 
the brunt of that attention. And I'm not sure, you know, yeah. this year at least it would have been spread out between Pujols and, and Yachty. Um, next year, the focus will be on him. Whether he says anything or not, I think mean, that focus is going to be a lot yeah. on him. I mean, not that he ever shies away from a camera. I mean, he goes sure. and does stuff, but he's also not, he's not really big on talking about himself, I don't think. Um, yeah. Which, which you add kind of an interesting wrinkle to that. And I know that it's not just the, uh, not just the, it's not the draw to compete, but yeah. he'll be on a broadcast with somebody yeah. within a year or two, I would think. And, yeah. uh, and that, that may add to it because you can keep close to the game, but not go through the rigors of the everyday and still have time with your family. Yeah. That, that if they're, if they're in the St. Louis area, if he, if he, now he might be on a national broadcast, which would be cool. If he's did like St. Louis, right. You know, had to do every game. Um, then he'd need his family in St. Louis, which I think, you know, they, I think they kind of split their time between Georgia and St. Louis anyway. Yeah. Um, but I mean, cause I think whether you like Ricky Horton or not doing games, I think everybody would say that it's would be an increase in improvement to have him, um, have Adam Wainwright there yeah. or, you know, you know, I was talking to Jeff Goldman back when I was in St. Louis, uh, you know, the Fox guys were just talking about how, you know what? Four or five years ago, they had five guys rotating around with Danny Mac, and you, you know yeah. who was going to be there. And now it's just Jim Edmonds and um, Brad Thompson. You know, maybe that's a thing where you know Adam Wainwright does, you know, three or four series a year in the in the booth. Um, you know, just enough to keep his hand in the, hand in, and and not enough to just be overwhelming. I I think those would be hugely rated games if he did. Yeah. Um, I also, it's also going to be interesting. I think he got a taste of what it would be like next year over these last two months, right? With he spin throwing to Kisner and, and Romine and, and Herrera and not Yadier Molina. And I don't know how he felt about that. The numbers were not as good, um, which may or may not have been a connection correlation. Um, I don't know how comfortable he was in that. And he may decide, it's not worth spending my last year or two years at this rate. I mean, he didn't have to retire next year. Um, throwing, you know, throwing a, a less or a little bit more difficult, a little bit more work, um, working with different catchers than, than Yadi or Molina. I, you know, I don't know. He's not said a thing about these other guys catching them and, and all that, but I got to feel like it was a little bit different for him. Yeah. And that's, I had, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, that makes that makes sense. I mean, it and you know, it could be he doesn't want to be the training ground either. You mm-hmm. know, with some of these new guys and whether that's uh, you know, Kisner and Herrera next year or if they sign somebody else, you know, you know, that 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 makes a little bit of sense. I, I mean, I can see not wanting to go through uh, those situations, but you know, he and Kisner seem to have a pretty good relationship, you know, cuz yeah. that's he's the first one that had that uh, that uh, that caught him when he when a I if I'm not Molina was out one of their two starts. One of their it was either Kisner or uh, Mol- or Wainwright's first start back from a uh, from either when Kisner got called up or when uh, Wainwright was coming back from injury. I know one of those that uh, there has some there's some kind of connection there. Well, I know Wainwright caught Kisner caught Wainwright in the rehab assignments and stuff like that. And then okay. I think Kisner came up. He wound up catching at least I think yeah Yachty was hurt or something. And there was some kind of comment about. You know, Kisner's caught Wainwright more than Ian Yachty maybe had in that little time span. 
Um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely got a connection there. And I'm you know, like I said, the results have not been bad. It's not like he's like, you know, an all-star with Yachty and, you know, a bum without him. But I mean, it's, I definitely think it's got to be a lot more, a lot more work on Wainwright's side and a lot more just thinking about it instead of just reacting and doing yeah, uh, like it would be with Yachty. Cause I think with Yachty, they've, they've kind of got that shorthand and stuff down that it's, it's not necessarily work for them to, to really think of a game, but you know, it's, that's just looking on the outside end and just guessing. So, yeah. Um, Cardinals then on the field, we can talk about that. Um, win two of three against the nationals and then sweep the Cubs, including the doubleheader sweep last night. Um, and like you said, so far, I think this team looks a lot different. And I mean, it, We've only seen one, well, two, I guess, because um, Chris Stratton has made a couple of appearances. We only see those two guys make it, uh, get in here. You know, we didn't. The offense didn't really change at all, uh, except for the addition of Paul DeYoung, I guess. Um, but it does feel a little bit different now. How much of that, like we've kind of said, how much of that is playing weaker teams versus um, you know an actual somewhat of spark? Yeah, the uh, you know. Th- th- the Cubs series, I always feel they, those can swing so easy just because it's I, I can I compare it to Bedlam here. You know, the best team doesn't always win just because of the rivalry type situation. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, I felt like you could just feel a different energy, uh, especially in the um, the homestand against the Cubs. You know, whether it's making the moves or maybe more importantly, the uh, uh, galvanizing of the. Uh, the, of the faith in Gorman and, and Carlson. I mean, I felt like Carlson's played really well. And that's one of those to where that may have been hanging on his head. You never know. I mean, he didn't want to leave. And get, he's now the starting center fielder for the foreseeable future. And, and he's he's played well. He's hit well. The big hustle double last night. And he's made some really nice plays in the outfield. Um, Gorman hits a bomb. You know, it's, uh, you know, signs are just pointing to the faith in those guys may go more now than the the weight that was hanging over them potentially being traded, um, and that, and that's good to see. I just personally, I just felt like there was a just a huge difference in uh, in uh, atmosphere recently as as opposed to what we saw before. It just kind of seemed dead, but yeah, now we can see kind of uh, um, now we can just kind of see that uh, it, you know. <laughs> The Brewers are in your sights, and they seem to be scuffling, and that's they may have done that to themselves. <laughs> but now you can just feel just a little bit of atmosphere, and there's a little bit of blood in the water. Yeah. Now, you know, all that being said, the Brewers get the Reds this weekend. The Cardinals get the Yankees. So that's that concerns me because I have a feeling the Cardinals probably lose the series this weekend, just because that's always how it kind of works. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, you're running against. I mean, you're running against the best team in baseball, I think, at least record wise, right? And you know, Aaron Judge hits home runs like he's breathing and, and things like that. It's going to be a very tough series. There's no, there's no doubt about that at all. It should be a fun series. It should be an interesting series to watch. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that it's you know the fact that the fact of the matter is Cardinals are tied for first right now. Um, when they were four games back earlier this week, um, or you know at least within the last ten days. Um, it does help. Yeah, I, I'm not. I kind of understand what the Brewers did, but I think the Brewers may have outsmarted themselves. Um, yeah, yeah. 
because I think they started thinking about the future a little bit more than, and I don't think they, it doesn't feel like they understood what a trade of a guy like Josh Hader would do to that clubhouse. Because I mean, you've seen interviews with those Brewers players and there's, there's no spark at all with them right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And to see Pittsburgh then beat up their bullpen three straight days, basically, and take games that Brewers should have won all three of those. And they wound up losing all three. Um, That's, that's going to get some people they're going to have to, and then they're going to shake out of it. I mean, this is just one of those things that, you know, they'll go through a little bit of a doldrum and they'll come back. And like I said, it may be just beating up on the reds at home this week, instead of being on the road may help. Um, But I think that, you know, if they don't win the division, that's going to look like a self-inflicted wound. And, And right now, and this is goes for the Cardinals as well. I think I was looked at, you know, Philadelphia's tied with those two teams for the last wild card spot. If you don't win the division, there's a reasonable chance you don't make the playoffs this year. I mean, unless, you know, there's two months left. We'll see how they trick out. But um, so, yeah, I mean, you could wind up a couple games short and, and really wonder what, you know, what could have been uh, all winter long. I, I don't think that's very, it was a very interesting move. Um, it's not one the Cardinals would have done, obviously, because I think they had a chance to do that last year with Alex Reyes, and they didn't. Um, but um, it helps, and I think it. I think between that that move and, and what the Cardinals did, I think that Cardinal clubhouse feels like they're the team to beat, and and they're going to go out and show it. Yeah, that's a, it. There was just a little bit of uh, of added energy, and you could tell they were kind of building upon what uh, what. Um, they feel like was a big move. And that, that was my first reaction. I was like, I understand the, uh, I understand the, lo- the, the logistics on why they make that move. And his name had been out there and all kinds of stuff. But I was like, boy, as a Cardinals fan, you can't help but be happy on this. Right. Because that's, that's, that was one of the stumbling blocks. I mean, you played seven inning games against them essentially with Williams and Hader. And now, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. So I agree. I do think the Cardinals just have, have a little bit of, uh, of, um, of hop in them right now that feels like they may, may be able to run away with this, which kind of, it, it kind of falls back where I'm not having really been convinced that the Brewers are that great. It's funny that they were had, had such a lead, but I think that was due to the Cardinals playing poorly than it was the Brewers playing well. Well, I think it, yeah, I think it's pretty telling that um, the Cardinals and, you know, both of these teams are, um, you got to have a chance to miss the playoffs, you know, if they don't win the division. Uh, I think that just shows you how weak this yeah. division has been in general, that they're not, you know, they're not running away. They're not competing with the other ones. Um, yeah, it definitely has been a little bit more. If, if the Cardinals had figured out their pitching a little bit earlier, this, you know, this thing might not be as close as it is. Um, which is another, I mean, it's another issue that we've talked about a lot. Why do we have to, why did the Cardinals and, and other teams wait till, you know, August 1st, August 2nd this yeah. year to make a move that now granted the Montgomery move probably just kind of fell in their laps at that point in time. But, you know, it feels like you could make some sort of move in June when you can see your pitching staff, you know, really struggling. Um, and yeah, maybe you pay a little bit more in a prospect price, but you also I mean, one, the prospect may, may or may not pan out. And two, you know, 
if you can get it done, you're not necessarily competing with as many people if you get out in front of the market. And three, you, you have a player for this year. I mean, you know, instead of just for two months, maybe you have pitching for three months. Um, again, I know how the markets work, and I know that other teams don't necessarily trade their players until that point in time. But, man, it, just, it, is, it gets frustrating when you can see a need – you know, six weeks in advance and they don't wait and things don't get fixed for six weeks. Um, that, that is a little bit frustrating as a, as a fan base, even though I'm sure that, like I said, there's, there's just other factors at work there, but yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, you're just like, man, this would make so much more sense. And then you wonder, you know, when they were talking about, they were knowing they were, they knew that they were out of, the Soto sweepstakes and whatnot the night before, and they knew they had Quintana the night before, and you just you kind of makes you wonder what all goes into one of these trades, yeah, because yeah. we just hear too many of them that just happen at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, as as like I said, it seems to be it seems to be that you know, I'm sure they've done research on players that they don't expect to trade for, um, but. I mean, I, it doesn't feel like the, you know, the Bader Montgomery trade was a trade that they even had been working on or anything like that. It was just something that kind of yeah came out of the blue. And so they must've had some sort of write up on Montgomery had a feeling for him or, or, you know, at least to be able to do some research real quick. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird, but I, I, the Cardinals. Yeah. I, I mean, they got down three Oh to Stroman yesterday and it's like, here we go again. Right. I mean, that's, you know, Stroman's the guy that they beaten up before, but you know, they're down 3-0. And then, you know, back-to-back home runs, they tie the game up in that inning and then walk it off. Um, it's, I, you know, I think that kind of thing is inspiring as well. And, and it's something that we might not have seen earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just shows the power of home runs too. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, uh, the place was, was wanting to explode. Mid-afternoon game, rain out the other night. You know, those balls leave, and that place, it was blown up. And at that point, when they hit the two, you're like, they're going to win this. You know, they're, I mean, it's, I'd be surprised if they don't get, get all the way back in it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, again, when you're down 3 0, trying to chip away with singles and doubles is, yeah, you can do it, but you also, you know, baseball these days, yeah, harder to put, you know, a string of hits together than it is to, you know, hit a ball out of the ballpark. So, um, yeah, and we saw that even some, let's see, last night, you know, they put that, you know, that big home run by Tyler O'Neill. you know, that was, that was huge. Now, what do you think? I mean, do you think that's a, a kickoff to an O'Neill run or do you Gosh. think that's an isolated event? I, you know what? I'm keeping my fingers crossed because that's been the missing piece. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets going. And they're really dangerous. That lineup is super long. And I mean, and then it, um, then it turns into one of those things to where, you know, not patting ourselves on the back or whatnot. DeYoung is so much better in a six, seven, eight hitter, six or seven hitter role to me than he was. He was just miscast in the type. You have that kind of potent power potential down there and your lineup is big time long, you know, and that's to answer your question. I I'm fingers crossed. Hope that he's healthy. A little bit of appreh- apprehension on that, but but man, the hope is there that if he were to take off, it, it's going to be awesome. So you mentioned him. What are you thinking of Paul DeYoung so far? Obviously, he comes back, hits a home run in his first game, hits a home run in his second game. But until last night, those were his only hits, right? And then he, yeah. I think, last night, what he had 
he went one for two, but he walked twice. Um, and he walked a game. He had a walk in the in the game. He had two walks yesterday in in the doubleheader. Um, he, are you seeing? I mean, it, granted, it's it's twenty at bats, it's sixteen plate appearances. Um, are you seeing anything different out of Paul DeYoung than you did when he when he went down? Uh, you know, not necessarily. You know, when they, I'll say this. I mean, I feel like you get what you get. You know, on that, I don't know how much changes are going to be. I mean, a lot of it may turn into luck. He's always hit the ball hard, and he has been. So let's let's see if we can find some gaps. He did have a home run stolen. You know, we got to give him credit for that. Yep, you know, he's yep. hit the two. You know, it's one of those, and he hit one of the hardest hit balls yesterday—a laser that turned into a double play. Um, those are the things that you want to see out of him. Um, if I feel like if you can get the occasional home run, the occasional double, I feel like defensively you're going to get you're going to be stable. Now, on the flip side of that, I did. There were two things yesterday that kind of bo- that kind of bothered me. He played a ball at the in the hole that was a nice play, but one that he normally gets, and the throw was really bad. And he had another bad throw in the second game last night. And I'm like, uh, these are things that I feel like he will have to be almost perfect on to stay in the lineup. Yeah. Um, the jury's still out. I, I pull for him, but I don't think you're going to get, I don't think you, that you are going to see a situation where he goes down to Memphis, then all of a sudden turns into, you know, the 25 home or 25 double guy that we expected that we would see in the long term. But honestly, he could be a pretty dang good role piece if he plays a real good shortstop. Yeah, that, that double clutch last night was weird, but it sounds like that was I think, strange. I think two holes yeah. wasn't back over to first yet. I think that's it, it was hard to see on the radio on the TV, but uh, Jeff Jones had an indication that Pujols didn't get back over to first as quickly as as DeYoung thought he would, um, which is about the only thing that makes sense there because it didn't look like he lost a grip. He just uh, and he wasn't really trying to bluff anybody. But I don't, I, I you know again. I mean, Young struck out seven times in 16 at-bats. I mean, that's kind of what we were seeing a little bit beforehand, and you're going to get that, I get. As long as they're willing to not make him the starting shortstop, if this is the case, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't mind him being the starting shortstop for a few days, you know, as they give him a little bit of run, see if he's going to, you know, catch fire or something. But if he's still striking out, you know, close to 50% of the time. And, you know, you know, only the occasional home run is the, on the other side, you know, there are enough middle infielder guys that they need to be, I don't want to see Paul DeYoung get a run and Nola Gorman wind up sitting on the bench because they got to put him and Tommy Edmund at, at, in the middle infield. No, I agree with that. And, you know, that's, that's one of those things to where I wonder what the, what the run is going to look like, because I felt like, you you were pretty fluid in a situation where you had Edmund Gorman Donovan, you know, mm-hmm. working up the middle. I I get the feeling they're trying to rest Donovan a little bit more than he than he than he had in the first part. You know, you can see some kind of cracks of the cracks of the facade on that. Mm-hmm. But it's also a pretty good good. I like the fact that that Marmal is willing to pull the trigger on the pinch hit last night. Gorman for Pujols. Yep. And then move Donovan to first. You know, one of those type deals. Though that's the fluidity that I like to see, and I feel like they're going to be able to get that. And which makes me wonder how long they are going to ride out DeYoung. And I hope this has a happy ending. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, 
I mean, De Young is really close. I think it was like when he went down, he was with what he was within like 10 days of hitting his you know, five years. So he can't be sent down without his permission. Yeah. So he's pretty much, that's pretty much going to happen. I mean, he's by the time they've given him enough of a run, he's going to have hit that milestone. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if it goes bad. I think if it goes bad, he's a bench guy for the rest of the year. Right. I mean, he, he's used occasionally, I don't excited about him being like a pinch hitter, but you know, pinch hitting is different than it used to be. You're not setting him up for a pitcher. You're, you're really kind of playing the platoon advantages and stuff like that. Most of the time, uh, until the, like the you know, eighth or ninth inning, when you don't have to worry about it, a guy where a guy's going to play. Um, but you know, then this off season, you know, do they move on even though he's under contract? Uh, you know, it'd be very interesting. So hopefully, hopefully it's a moot point. Hopefully he can, kind of find some of that footing. Cause I mean, I think he's got, I, I know batting average is not a big deal, but you know, he's gotta be when, when you're running in the low one hundreds, it's, it's kind of scary. Right. I mean, and it's hard. It, it's a little bit harder to justify running a guy out there when, you know, it's nice to get the, it, it, well, it's, it's Rob deer, right. <laughs> to some degree from, from our, when we were growing up, the guy that, uh, that struck out and hit or hit home runs. And that was about it. Um, yeah. That feels like what we're getting, a little bit with young and, and I know that there's some value to that, but I don't know how much the value that is. Well, and you, you kind of wonder if that's not a, uh, if that, if we're not going through a phase where that is a, uh, that's, that's not as going to be as popular as it was, you know, three years yeah. ago, you know, type yeah. situation. And, and I, and I wonder about that. I mean, he's on a favorable contract. You, you kind of want it to, uh, kind of want it to work out. Um, but you, you know, you, you can see some signs where it, that may not necessarily be the case. And, you know, I know they say the same thing about uh, Edmund at second that he's more valuable there. But hey, you're going to have Blake Gorman at some point. You know, yeah. that's uh, that's just that's just how it's going to go. So usage will be very interesting to watch. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I think we've seen Tommy Edmund shift. You know, he had a really good start to the season, and he has slumped off some. Um, and and I think the Cardinals are. are rel- I mean, this is the difference to me this year with Marmol versus probably even Schilt and definitely Mike Matheny. Um, people are not locked into a spot, right? I mean, we saw that DeYoung went down to, to Memphis, uh, but even before he went to Memphis, he was, he would been moved out of the starting spot into the bench. Tommy Edmond plays pretty regularly still, but he's not leading off every time. You know, a lot of times he's down lower in the lineup. Um, it does feel like, at least with Marmol, and maybe that's because he's tied into the front office more. Maybe, you know, he just because he's analytical more. Who knows whatever. It seems to me that he makes a lot more decisions based on what's actually happened versus what has happened, you know, yeah. what what he remembers happening or what might happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh I, that's that's been exciting to watch that growth as well in the in the dugout and it's uh and it's just funny because uh yeah, he still looks so young when he comes out to make a pitch and change sometimes you know what i mean I, you yeah. kind of forget about it yeah there is a like the uh the national broadcast said i think it was on saturday that marmol could lean on a lot of experience in the dugout because there's so many players that are older than he is yeah and, uh, yeah it's crazy cardinal one so um Anyway, Cardinals get the Yankees this weekend. Not surprisingly, that there's a Joe Torre bobblehead on on Saturday. It's a 
tied to both of his, to two of his teams. I mean, he's got ties to Atlanta and New York Mets as well, but um, like it's, it's a really weird schedule this week. You go, you got the, you know, this homestand that finishes up on Sunday, a day off, they go to Colorado for three, then they come back to Bush for six against the Brewers and the Rockies. You'd think they could have just flipped that Rocky series, um, but schedules. Um, should be a good week, though. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen out in Colorado with pitching and stuff. Um, but you got to like the chances of next weekend being a big series um, against the Brewers. And one of the last series, I know they've got, I think they've got, what, a couple of series in September. They have four games in September. So, you know, that's it. You're really getting down to it on, on head-to-heads. Uh, and I think that means every, every head-to-head is important. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. It, it, it's really, really exciting. Now we we had kind of considered maybe going this week to the Cubs games. I I'm mm-hmm. glad we didn't just before school starts, just because of the rain and whatnot. But right, boy, right. I have the itch to go up there, especially looking at watching how the atmosphere was yesterday. So some of these series are going to be big. I'm excited about it. This is fun to start watching as we get into fall. And man, I just, I just. I know the rug's been pulled out from under me too many times, especially in a series like this when it's an unfamiliar opponent. Mm-hmm. But uh, it feels like they're primed for a run at this point, getting everybody back healthy, and and that's that's going to be exciting to watch. And I feel like as Cardinals fans, this is what we expect, right? We expect them to kind of scuffle their way up to the trading deadline, and then August and September to just take off. I mean, and I'm not even talking about last year when obviously we had the 17 game winning streak, but it seems like. It, and I'd have to go back. I, I don't. I don't know the stats bear it out, but it does feel like the Cardinals know how to finish a season. Um, and you know, maybe it's scheduling. Maybe it's because you finally get the pieces together. Whatever. It feels like August and September have always been much stronger for a Cardinal team. And so, yeah, seeing this sweep here at the beginning of, of August, and and even the, the the games at the end of July there against the Nationals, um, make you feel like that's going to happen again. Yeah, and you know, sweep a team with with uh, Contreras still. You know, right. one of those type of situations. Right. That's that. Yeah, I mean, that really surprising on that. Uh, I know that we we won't want to run long or anything, but yeah, yeah. whenever I was thinking, oh, okay, here's what's going to happen. Contreras is going to come back and destroy him. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, he was the only one that really did hit, you know, for anything big. I know their leadoff guy was on base, you know, five or six times throughout the series. But but uh, Hap didn't, didn't kill him like he normally does, and then – you know, you were able to contain contain Contreras, but yeah, just just a weird situation. Yeah, we could run long. Nobody's listening to this part anyway. But, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, if I didn't have to go to the bathroom, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. I, I was very surprised those guys didn't get traded, and I was pleasantly surprised they didn't just absolutely destroy uh, destroy the Cardinals. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up for this week. Um, we'll be at it next week in the middle of probably in the middle of the Brewer series. Um, And we'll see how things go. But until then, for Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Alan Sayad, the second for one.